Welcome to A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast, and it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And my name is Jeff Milo, and today we are talking to Stephen Rowley, is best-selling author of five novels, some of our favorite books, actually, personally, uh, subjectively speaking, here in the library, including, uh, very recently, The Gunkle. Uh, but uh, his newest book is called The Celebrants. He is also the best-selling author of Lily and the Octopus, uh, The Editor, and The Gunkle, which I mentioned, uh, which is a book that wound up winning the Thurber Prize for American Humor, which is incredible, which Stephen Rowley uh, discusses here on the podcast. Now, Stephen Rowley writes books, as he says, that deal with grief, but also make you laugh. I think they are very, very comedic, but man, do they tell real stories about real people with really well-defined characters. When we're talking about The Celebrants, which was just released very recently in Penguin Random House, it is, um, it's a big chill for our times, if you remember that movie from 1983 with William Hurt and uh, Jeff Goldblum, uh, celebrating a decades-long friendship and promises between these friends, but especially to themselves. And this is a friends group. It's not sort of the baby boom era, like early 80s, uh, big chill. It's more later 90s and onward. It's more of a Gen X crowd. Now, the characters here are all friends from college. It's been a little while since they last uh, saw each other. Uh, and now they are all on the cusp of 50, uh, kind of working through their adult lives and some of that baggage that has been attained. And you have Jordan and Jordy, who are partners. And then you have Naomi, Craig, and Mariel. And they find themselves at the brink of a new decade with all the responsibilities of adulthood, yet no closer to having their lives figured out not for lack of trying over the years they have been consistently reuniting in big sur to honor what's become a now decades old pact a pact that they all agreed upon to throw each other living funerals celebrations to remind themselves that life is worth living that their lives mean something to one another if not always to themselves so this reunion is going to be a little different though they're not gathering this time to bolster Mariel as her marriage is crumbled, uh, or to, to lift Naomi up after her parents died, or to intervene when Craig pleaded guilty to art fraud. This time, Jordan is sitting on a secret that is going to actually upend their pact. And uh, this is a deeply honest tribute to the growing pains of selfhood and the, and the people who keep us going. And I start off this podcast kind of gushing to, to Stephen Rowley about his most recent book that just preceded this one, The Gunkle, but this one was really just as satisfying, just as cathartic, and I uh, hope you enjoy our chat. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Now, now you can hear me. Now I can hear <laughs> I'm you. I'm so sorry yeah. about that. Zoom technology. No Thank you so Hi. much for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm a podcasting from inside a public library. Okay. And <laughs> I just want to say that your books are among our librarians' favorite to recommend people. Oh, I love that so much. Um, Which is leading into my first question. The reason why is because it... For them, it, it for, for the librarian and then for the reader, it hits all the bases. Do you want to laugh? Do you want to cry? Do you want to feel something? Do you want to learn about yourself? Uh, especially The Gunkle. The Gunkle was a big hit here in this library. So 
Thank you. I'm saying. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Are we going? Are we into it? We are into it. And that's my, okay. that's my question of how you even pull off that magic trick. Yeah, of, I of, think it's, you know, I think, <laughs> I think it's, it's a hard level, you know, it's a, it's a hard, high bar to clear yeah. uh, to, to get a reader to laugh out loud. Um, you know, particularly in fiction, I think. Yeah. Um, and then to also uh, elicit a, a cry. Somehow I'm known for writing these tearjerkers as well. I don't <laughs> know how I've mixed both in together. I must be a glutton for punishment because, uh, you know, either one of them alone is, is uh, you know, almost an impossible feat. But um, to the extent that it works and, and uh, librarians love to recommend them, that, that means so much. I just I just want to give a little shout out to librarians because that's, you know, I, I'm able to do what I do today because I had parents who got me a public library card as a kid and encouraged me to use it. And uh, a children's librarian in particular in my hometown library in South Portland, Maine, um, that took an interest in me. And so, um, you know, it really fostered a, a lifelong love of, of reading and you know, the emotional um, journey that books can be. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful and beautifully said. And uh, boy, you have a way with words. You should, uh, you should really write a book. I should think about doing something with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that, I th but I think that uh, a, a compliment into a question is I think that the reason why people have such a visceral response to your books is that you are so good with character and character development and dialogue. And my other gosh, wow question is just how do you do that or what goes into that? the character crafting and especially with the celebrants it's crucial uh to, to to pull that off yeah i think um you know the one thing you didn't mention is plot i'm not i'm not the biggest plot heavy writer right like i wouldn't know how to even begin to do like a mystery or a thriller or something like that i am always much more interested in character putting characters in a room together and and having them work out their their issues and and seeing what arises but it's the real challenge in writing a book like the celebrants is not only creating five distinct characters which because the book is about a friend a group of college friends but then also um, making these relationships and friendships come alive. You want them to feel um, lived in and time worn. You want them there to be, you know, this is a group of friends who reunites over the decades. So there can be longstanding resentments. There could be crushes. There could be, um, you know, little uh, different pairings of the group. And also, you know, what do you do when you get together with a group of friends, you know, drink one, but laugh, hopefully. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so and, uh, to give them inside jokes in a way that doesn't exclude the reader, you know, and it really invites the reader into be a, a member of this, this group of friends. I think, you know, that's definitely the challenge, um, in writing, writing a book like this. Um, it emphasizes the difference for me between plot and story though, because there's a mm -hmm. hell of a lot of story. There's a lot of story. You know? So in fact, I was inspired, you know, for this novel, The Celebrants early on uh, during the pandemic when we were all sheltering at home and I was, I was, you know, scrolling through Netflix and whatnot, looking for, um, you know, a, a comfortable movie to watch, something maybe I had a passing familiarity with, but wasn't overly, um, for, you know, overly, uh, you know, didn't have it memorized. Sure. Uh, and I stumbled upon The Big Chill, which was this movie from the, from the early 80s about a group of friends who come back together after the death of, of one of their own. And, um, you know, the title, the big, the big Chill, sort of refers to that middle period of life where you might have, um, you know, you might be married, you have your kids already, you own a home, which is something people used to be able to do. Um, and you might, you know, work one job and you work and you stayed with one company until you collected a pension. You know, that may be the way life 
was 40 years ago. Right. But now, you know, I was struck by how people may have multiple marriages or blended families. Certainly, we, re- we reinvent ourselves a lot. You know, we're apt to have more than one career and certainly, you know, work for more than one company. And so you're right, all this, it's this sort of fertile middle years, instead of being this sort of metaphorical parking lot where we're waiting for you know, to be empty nesters and, and retire. Are this now that's filled with, you know, all this sort of great stories. And um, and that's, you know, where I wanted to dive in. Yeah, it's these characters are, I guess, maybe the Gen X age closer mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. more or less. And that's just a hell of a lot different than what the baby boomers of the 1983 might have experienced. Exactly, you know, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah. So tell me, just let's talk more about, uh, you know, hmm. There's there's a couple of words I wanted to bring up with, with you. And the one was death and grieving and how that's treated beautifully, but also so raw and authentically in the Gunkel and especially here. And boy does it feel cathartic to read about what is it like to write about and and what do you find fulfilling about writing about it and what what draws you to it i didn't want to say what draws you to death Stephen. i'm sorry (laughs) i know um well you know it's definitely an interesting thing and you're right it's very much a gen x story Mm -hmm. um these characters uh are college friends from the class of 1995 right and so um you know, I also struck, you know, from from watching The Big Chill that, you know, and, and while that's very much also a story about middle age and right. contemplating what the back half of their lives are going to look like, all the characters in that film are 35 years old. And so, you know, it just goes to show you how we've how we've in 40 years sort of um, evolved our thinking about what aging and middle age really right. is. And these know? characters are 50 or on the cusp. These of. characters are on 50, you know, mm-hmm. as am I. And so um, I, I do think it's something that I think about in particular. The other thing that was a jumping off point for writing this book is I did lose um, one of my best friends from college to breast cancer. Mm-hmm. and. There is something about losing a close contemporary for the first time that I think does make you contemplate your own mortality yeah. um, in a way um, that you may not have um, before. Um, again, I want to emphasize that this is a comedy. That no, it absolutely is. And it, it's, the, it's all there in the dialogue. Funny, but yeah, I, it's that mix that we started talking about, right? It's contemplating serious issues and, and confronting them head on. Um, but I think, you know, being able to laugh about them too is something that allows us to to um you know to to soldier on to get to power through how about friendship let us talk about friendship and that's where the comedy lies uh because these they have such a rapport and (laughs) and i think that by the end of it they all realize they are family can you talk about that and building the relationships between naomi and mariel and jordy and jordan and craig Oh my goodness, I'm realizing now, like not only was the challenge here in creating these these friendships is to, to make them live on the page, but I also gave two of them the same name. Like, but I mean, I must- Which I kind of loved. Mind. Yeah, um, it, you know, it was it was a, a lot of fun, but right, you know, just from the craft of writing, like writing scenes in which there are lots of characters all the time is, you know, it's a high degree of difficulty as well. Who know each um, other so well. Yeah, I think and they're you know, able that's to maybe snip great, at each other a bit. That's right. right. I, and I think that's something you can do with longstanding friends, right? You don't always have to be on your best behavior. You don't <laughs> always have to be the best version of yourself. You can let them oh, see yeah. you be weak. You can let them yeah. see you be messy and they still have to love you um, afterwards. And there, there is something about these lifelong 
friendships that I think are so essential. You know, people who knew you before, you know, when you had youthful dreams and the different elements of your life were not locked into place and, and know you now, you know, once, you know, it's sort of more settled what your what your career is, what your life is, who you ended up with, um, you know, in your personal life. Sure. And they love both versions of you. And it's sometimes these longstanding friends that can help bridge the difference between those two versions of yourself if they're not exactly uh, aligned. And so um, I, I just think these, you know, and it doesn't have to be college friends. For some people, it may be siblings, it may be cousins, it may be, you know, grade school friends or, or who knows. But, you know, having people in your life for, for long stretches of time, I just think is so, you know, it's so interesting and something that was a lot of fun to write about. And I, and I'm, I say death, but that's only because the, the crux of this book is about how these friends have a pact in which they get together and they're they're going to enact their own eulogies in a way and i think we all think about that what will people say about me when i'm gone but more importantly what this book does is what am i going to say about my best friend when they're gone Mm -hmm. uh and epiphanies arise um again the dialogue allows for the comedy but i think epiphanies arise and i think there's something extremely heartfelt i think in your afterward where you're like maybe don't wait to say these things to your friends that's what the book really became about for me. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation among artists and writers, particularly about how to address the past few years that we've been through. Yeah. Um, some people have tackled it head on. One of my favorite writers is Elizabeth Strout. Um, and, uh, you know, she wrote a book, Lucy by the Sea, last year that is almost a, a, a kind of a TikTok, a, a minute by minute retelling of 2020, which wow. to me was like a horror story. You know? <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not ready to revisit that quite yet. Um, but this is, I think, a very much a reaction um, to what we've been through because, you know, so many of us are grieving something. We may not have lost a person, although many, many people have been lost, but we certainly um, have lost time, mm-hmm. you know, and we've lost togetherness. And so the idea uh, of crafting a story around telling the people in your lives what they mean to you now yeah. while they're still here. Um, to to hear that and, and hopefully receive those words with an open heart, um, I think is very much a reaction to um, the past few years and and what we've what we've been through. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really relatable, uh, and I think this goes into story. Um, and a word I felt compelled to bring up is this. Help me with this, Stephen. Mm-hmm. It's not. We have things to deal with. I didn't want to use the word baggage, but you know, yeah, we have yeah. emotional baggage. Yeah. I think this book is, I use the word cathartic, but there's something really healthy going on here about <laughs> working through these things, um, which I think was pulled off again in, in the gunkle too, but uh, also here as well. Yeah, I'm kind of writing comedies about grief. I don't know. I don't know why I chose to do this. But it exactly. it hurts so but good. I'm sensing a theme. I'm sensing a theme. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you just uh, talk about uh, again? If you were having a chance to do an afterword here before I let you go, like, what are you? What do you hope people take away from this book? In an ideal yeah, scenario. Absolutely. You know, I was struck earlier this year. I was incredibly fortunate, and I, I won the the. Um, Thurber Prize for American Humor um, for the Gunkle. And I wanted to get on stage and be like, ha ha, surprise. I, it's actually a book about grief. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and you're giving me this this humor award. But, you know, I do think, you know, laughing is the way through. And as I say, you know, not holding off, not, um, 
you know, I, I, I guess, I guess if I've changed in the past few years, I've become a little bit of a mush. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, you know, I will tell people, uh, you know, and my friends are like, you know, I'll approach them. I'm like, I love you. And they're like, we know, we know, we know <laughs> back off. Um, but, um, you know, I would love that, uh, for, for everyone, the, the ability to, um, both have, um, people in their lives that are important to them and, and to be able to say, I will say, you know, as, as an openly gay writer too, the idea of found family yeah. um, is so important in queer literature um, and, a, you know, definitely a recurring theme. And I look, you know, when I came out 30 years ago, the literature that I, that was available to me, which reflected the time, right. It was a very honest about the time, but was about sort of lives lived in the shadows of lonely existences and often lives cut short. And, um, the opposite has been true. I've been fortunate to be, you know, to be alive in a moment where I, my life has been filled with community and um, and joy and celebration. Mm-hmm. And I, so yeah. I want, you know, I want people to to embrace that. That yeah. uh, um, they're they're, you know, and we're we're in a precarious moment where of of backslide for in a lot of things, but there's still much to celebrate, and I hope um, I would like people to to come together and and not forget the successes. There's still so much to celebrate. You have a book called Celebrants. It's great. And I think that everything we've talked about, there's joy in your books. Mm-hmm. If they, There's so much else to experience, but there's joy. Steven, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. It's been a great. Thank you so much. Take care. And that was our chat with Stephen Rowley, the best-selling author of Lily and the Octopus and the editor, and now the Thurber Prize for American Humor winning book, The Gunkle. And we highly recommend his latest, The Celebrants, which we just finished discussing. You can find more info in our show notes. And thank you for listening to another episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. If you want to support this podcast, you could go to ferndalefriends.org. We also want to thank John Duffy for giving us music at the beginning and end of each episode. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and leave a positive review. It would help us find more listeners. We'll be back next week with more.